This is the Hunt for Wellness podcast with John Lancaster, 42 Sosa. It's another great day for wellness, and this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Dr. Tunis Hunt, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom. And Pax, I have a super excited show for you today. Um, you know, it's not often that I get to brainstorm and talk to true colleagues about things that are passionate about uh, what I get to do almost on a daily basis of myself. And today I have another colleague, a chiropractor with me, joining me to talk about some really interesting health and wellness topics and strategies. Uh, if you have heard previous podcasts, you'll, you'll probably remember that we had Pudge on the show at a previous episode, and he's a chiropractor that practices down in the Florida area. And he brought a concept of, of something called ART or active release technique. And uh, just getting feedback from listeners, I found that that was a uh, a value add because people were familiar with the concept of chiropractic and what they quote unquote saw on YouTube or TikTok and the popping, the clicking, and they really just didn't understand maybe some of the science behind it and what specifically makes chiropractors at large kind of unique in their own individual practices. And, and we'll kind of got, dive into that about what chiropractic is today, the philosophy of it, and some interesting facts uh, around it when it comes to different populations, including children and pregnant women, uh, as well as some unique techniques that maybe you're not familiar with when it comes to really achieving some of the health and wellness optimization that you're looking for. But uh, without further ado, I want to bring on our special guest today. I have F3 Sosa with me on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bones. It's a pleasure to be here today. Yeah, my pleasure, my friend. So before we kind of dive into the nitty gritty of, of, of kind of the, the health and wellness topics, I, I love to start usually at the top of the show here with the F3 origin story. So F3 Sosa, uh, give us a little bit about who you are, uh, your hospital name, how you, you know, your age, how you came to learn about uh, F3, and certainly why the name Sosa. Yeah, uh, so my name's John Lancaster. I'm originally from Laurenburg, North Carolina. Um, 42 years old. I live in Cary now. I post in Carpex. Um, I got the, uh, well, I found out about F3 through, actually through a, a chiropractic buddy who lives in Spartanburg. His name is Justin Strutrump, but his F3 name is Quasimodo. Um, uh, I was moving back to the area and doing, doing some exercise like this kind of stuff on my own. I was just looking for, for something, and he had been telling me about it for a while. So I just showed up one morning kind of out of the blue, and, um, and yeah, right away was was knew this was, knew this was a great fit. Um, as far as how I got my name, uh, I was living in the Dominican Republic for four years prior to moving back to the States. And, um, 
had a chiropractic clinic down there on the beach. It was a pretty sweet situation in the, in the office three days a week, in the water five days a week. And uh, moved back up. And uh, actually, I, got, I was named by Hello Kitty, uh, Sosa, just for being on the DR. Um, and uh, yeah, and I've, I've, been, I've been with F, I've been in F3 since 2017. So going on five years now, which is pretty wild that it's been, it's been, been so long. But uh, yeah, get out when I can, man. I mean, I got a, a as a business owner and a father of a three-year-old and a five-year-old. I'm, it's tough sometimes, but I try to get out there a few days a week. Well, good, man. Yeah, it's, uh, as a father myself, I find that the early morning workout routine is uh, good for the schedule because outside of the kids getting up in the day, man, uh, you kind of lose your own opportunity to get out and do those things that are important to you. So let me just back up for a second. You were living in the Dominican Republic, practicing chiropractic on the beach, surfing or whatever you're doing. Why back to Cary, North Carolina? It's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, an, it, was a, it was a great place to be down there, but it was also really transient. It was a really tiny beach town. I mean, maybe 2,000 people in the off season, maybe 8,000 people when it was there. And uh, we had a baby. My son was born down there. And um, we're just looking for something with a bit more uh, stability, I guess. And my wife, I met my wife there. She's from Russia, which is I mean, from Moscow, like you know, 20 million people and living down there in a town of 2000 people, just looking for a bit more going on. And, uh, you know, I, so I'm, I'm from here. I knew this was a great area. And, uh, and we were actually initially looking to move into Austin, Texas and, but because we both grew up in a place with lots of green trees and lots of lush vegetation, it was, we weren't really like solidly behind the thought of moving down there. And my wife, Ollie was like, John, you always talk about North Carolina. Let's just, let's just go back there. So we ended up back here and it's been, it's been great so far. Got it. Well, what a story. I mean, a small town boy from North Carolina, marrying a girl from Moscow, Russia, uh, meeting, to, you know, in an island and, and back to back to the roots. So very good. So based on your story, did you say that you learned about F3 by someone that wasn't in the in the proximity region that you're in? And then right, yeah. did you then just show up in the gloom by yourself one day? Yeah, I just showed up in the gloom by myself. And uh, it was a it was a pretty dark morning. It was really funny that I was, you know, running around with talking in the gloom. I was talking with somebody for like 10, 15 minutes. And then we sat down at COT, sat down beside him. And it turned out to be Wonder, a guy named Wonder Bread, who was actually one of my really good friends in high school who I hadn't seen in 20 years. So I've been talking to wow. him for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and he was probably using one the name Wonder Bread, so you had yeah. no idea what his yep. actual name was. Yep. That's funny. Well, very good. So still consistently posting. I, I know that when I've shared health and wellness tips on the COT podcast, you mentioned Hello Kitty uh, as the host of that, for sure. Most, most of our listeners will know that. Um, you know, they often mentioned that uh, they, they, they go see a chiropractor. There's somebody in the region that they like to, to, that they use. And, and I've, so I've heard your name before kind of just dropped on the, on the podcast as far as, you know, a chiropractor that they knew or associated with. So very good, man. I'm, I'm glad that you're out there uh, taking care of the packs, uh, certainly in that region. And uh, I'm assuming um, if you're anything like where I'm at, there's probably quite a few PAX members that come and see you. There are, yeah. I've actually kind of 
jokingly thought about getting an F3 screen printed onto some gowns for, for new patients. <laughs> <laughs> they almost all show up in F3 gear as it is. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I, I think I've mentioned before that uh, on certain mornings, depending on kind of the patient flow, we can have a small little COT out there in the waiting exactly. room, just yep. how many guys are coming in or even family members. So, well, very good, man. Uh, so chiropractic, uh, every chiropractor I've ever talked to has some kind of origin story, why they've kind of decided to get into chiropractic, why that was kind of a, an angle of health and wellness that they were interested in. You know, walk us through kind of what spurred your interest in chiropractic and some of that origin story. Yeah, well, I've been interested in, in healthcare since I was a little kid. I mean, I've thought about all sorts of different things from ophthalmology, dermatology, uh, orthodonture, I mean, all sorts of different things. And, and, in, and in college, I was really looking at, at being a vet. And I was working in Colorado one summer at a vet's clinic, somewhere between my sophomore, junior year. And had a rock climbing incident that landed me in a chiropractic office. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a, I didn't even really fall. I just kind of tweaked my neck looking over my shoulder and, but it was in the worst pain I'd ever been in my life. Come to find out it was, it was kind of a resulting injury from a car accident when I was 10. But uh, yeah, but before I got off the table, I was like 90% better. And I knew like right then I was like this, this has got my attention, but I wasn't ready to, pursue anything at that point. So I took actually took eight years off between chiropractic, between undergrad and chiropractic school. And, uh, but just kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, learn a lot about what I didn't want to do. Um, tell people I, I actively avoided any real responsibility or commitment for that decade. And, uh, but I always had it in the back of my mind that when it, when the time comes when I'm ready to, to commit to something, this, this was going to be it. And, um, yeah, and then I had a couple other instances along the way. I had a, had a big fall that ended back in the, in the chiropractic clinic again. And then that time I ended up sticking with it. It wasn't just to get out of the pain. And stuck with it and realized shortly after that my asthma went away, my allergies went away, my concentration improved, and my sleeping improved. You know, things that had nothing to do with why I was going. And if you had told me at the time that pushing on my neck could affect those things, I probably would have laughed at you. But I uh, just had a great experience as a patient. And um like the fact that it wasn't a whole lot of blood and guts involved with it and I could help people. And, and, uh, yeah, that's how, that's how I got into it. Yeah. So that's interesting. And your story is similar to a lot of the uh, chiropractors. I know, uh, someone who's had a personal experience with it, whether as a child or a teenager or even an adult, uh, I, you didn't probably had these in your class too. I mean, we had a handful of second career people in, in, in my chiropractic uh, class, uh, even, uh, men and women in their 50s who had a completely different career for most of their life and for whatever reason had a fantastic experience with a chiropractor and, and kind of had that aha moment that they too wanted to then go and learn how to do those things and, and, and serve people in that capacity. So yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. So as far as undergrad, what did you study or what was the concept uh, or what, what was your plans, I guess, uh, originally? Yeah. Yeah, I went, I went to UNC Chapel Hill for undergrad and um, got there initially pre-med. And uh, somebody told me, you know, sophomore, you know, if you, if you, I was, a, I, was, I was a bio major, like, you know, if you're a bio major and you don't get into med school, like there's really no job except for cleaning test tubes. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. 
and I had just taken a, an economics class that I really liked. So I actually switched my major to economics. So I ended up with a, with a, a major in economics, a minor in chemistry, and all the prereqs for pre-med, pre-vet. So my thought was was vet school until I until I you know so until I went to a chiropractor and then did lots of different things, man. I, I, it was kind of a second career for me. Um, I, I'd spent a, about six years doing wilderness therapy for troubled teenagers, like backpacking, taking them backpacking for thirty to sixty days at a time, like these are kids who didn't want to be there. And then I uh, worked at a therapeutic boarding school in Costa Rica for two years, and it was my chiropractor there who really got me looking at it from a from a um, a wellness standpoint versus just a get out of pain standpoint. And uh, based off of his his recommendations, actually went to Life University for a chiropractic school down in Georgia. Got it. Is that where he went? Is that what influenced um, you to go? No, he actually went someplace else. He uh, okay. Um, take that back. He started there. I don't know if you remember. Life had some accreditation. Yes, yes. Thing back in like the early '90s, and he ended up graduating from uh, Logan. Yeah. So that's interesting that you said that. Um, it was not the early '90s. It was the early 2000s because okay. it was. I was in the thick of that. I went to Logan, and we had an influx of Life students come to us during that whole process. So. It'd be, uh, do you remember you the chiropractor's yeah. name? Sash, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Sash Ellison. Uh, Ellison. He's down in, in Atenas, Costa Rica. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I don't recall that person directly, but that's interesting. Maybe if I saw a picture, I'd, I'd recognize that person. Yeah. Well, that's neat, man. Well, I love to hear that. I appreciate you sharing that and kind of giving us a little bit about, about your background and why you chose chiropractic. And through that process, you kind of alluded to some of the things we kind of wanted to talk about today, which is really this concept of wellness versus just relief of pain. Uh, because I think a lot of times people think of chiropractic care as this back pain, neck pain, get out of car accident pain type of scenario. And, and certainly chiropractors serve that purpose. And, and, and a lot of chiropractors will build an entire practice around just mitigating pain symptoms and, and working in, in that arena. But you talked about the second go around, if you will, with your chiropractic experience, kind of adopting this mindset of wellness and optimization. So just real quick um, for the listeners who may be unfamiliar with kind of the chiropractic philosophy, what makes chiropractic a technique when it comes to wellness in addition to just getting out of pain? Well, it's, it's really just a completely different way to look at health instead of looking at it from the outside in approach of, oh, this person has this symptom. How do we get rid of that symptom? Let's like, oh, this person has, has these different, is presenting these different things. What is like really looking at what is the, what's the primary cause behind it? So instead of, you know, if you're in pain, you could totally get rid of pain with a bottle of aspirin or a bottle of bourbon, but it doesn't fix the problem. Whereas looking at it from a, from a structural standpoint of the idea that, I mean, the body was designed to work properly. So as long as things are working well, the body should function well. So instead of, like I said, instead of trying to erase a symptom, try to fix the underlying issue, because when the nervous system works properly, the body works properly. When the body works properly, symptoms tend to resolve. And uh, I think what, what most people don't know, and, and I know you know this, but, you know, the beginning of chiropractic had nothing to do with pain at all. I mean, the first adjustment a guy got his hearing back to the point that, you know, D.D. Palmer thought he found the, the cure for deafness, which obviously wasn't the 
case, but it was the case for that individual. And then for decades, most people went to the chiropractor for health and wellness issues. It wasn't really until insurance stepped in and kind of pigeonholed and kind of like gave chiropractic pain. Okay, we'll let you work in this realm. And with that, chiropractic kind of got pigeonholed as neck pain, back pain relief. And then I think part of the reason it, it, it's so expounded on that is that like, oh, wow, we, we, can, we can do this within the insurance model. So let's just promote this. And, uh, and that's kind of, I mean, there's a whole, you know, the whole Wilkes story, you know, at all, you know how much deeper it is in that, but in a, in a sense that, you know, that's, that's kind of what chiropractors were allowed to, to do. So that's what everybody thinks of at this point. But in reality, um, and I'm sure you see it in your office too, but people get well with lots of different things on a daily basis that have nothing to do with pain. Yeah, I appreciate you kind of going into a little bit about the history because that is certainly a, a, a scenario that most people don't recognize or understand as kind of how chiropractic kind of got uh, quote unquote invented or founded. And then more importantly, what the philosophy behind it was for so many years and then why it is what it is today. And, and you mentioned a few key things. And yes, uh, listeners, you heard him right. Uh, the first chiropractic adjustment was attributed to restoring someone's hearing. Uh, the story goes, I guess it was a, 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 a custodian or somebody in, in mm -hmm. that this gentleman knew. And uh, he, he hypothesized that, you know, the hearing uh, the nerve that was affecting the hearing was being uh, irritated or pinched or however you want to determine yeah. it and that removing that interference would restore the hearing. And lo and behold, that first adjustment, uh, you know, it in fact did that. And so obviously we're not claiming that chiropractic is going to restore anyone's hearing. We're not claiming that if you come to our offices, that's what's going to happen. But that was the philosophy behind it initially was there's something interfering. If we remove that interference and allow the body to function at an optimal level, it will take care of itself. And uh, Sosa alluded to those things with the history of chiropractic and how people would go for wellness purposes. And it wasn't until chiropractors really in the early 80s rather wanted to have this insurance reimbursement model that we allowed ourselves to kind of get pigeon held into the pain management specialty. And so that's kind of where most of us live or a lot of the chiropractic profession lives and what the public perceives now uh, as we look at chiropractic. So we understand the body is this innate intelligent, you know, organism that's clearly capable of self-healing. Uh, that's evident to probably everybody who's ever cut their finger and watch their body heal. It, it just happens. We have this innate intelligence, and uh, Soso alluded to something called the nervous system. And for clarity, folks, that's basically your brain, your spinal column, and all your nerves. And that if there's communication along that pathway that's being interfered upon or irritated of, then that can disrupt how the body's communicating. So there's different techniques in chiropractic. And that's one of the unique things about chiropractic is you can probably go to 
25 different chiropractors and get 25 different experiences. experiences. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. As far as the philosophy, how they approach it, even how they a single adjust the same segment on your spine uh, can be different between practitioners. They kind of call it an art. I practice with my wife, for instance, and we have patients that prefer my unique technique or, or compared to hers, even though philosophically and really you know, overall, we're pretty similar. There's small little nuances that make us unique as a practitioner. And so uh, Sosa also implements a a technique that I wanted to kind of touch base on that many of you may be familiar with, or many of you may have never heard of. And it's a technique or philosophy behind what they call upper cervical. And so, so, so I'm going to turn the turn the ball back over to you. Uh, Just kind of explain to us kind of what that term means and some of the philosophy behind it. Yeah. Um, so upper cervical care is referring to the top of the cervical spine. Um, so the top couple bones in the neck where they join with the skull, the more clinical term for that is the craniocervical junction. And um, it's really like the keystone where the philosophy behind the upper cervical care is that the, this craniocervical junction is really like the keystone or the cornerstone of the whole musculoskeletal system. And it plays a really, really important role in attenuating the function of the nervous system as well. Um, if you think about it, I mean, your brain is in charge of absolutely everything that happens in the body. I mean, without exception, there's nothing going on in the body that the brain isn't at least involved in orchestrating, right? And every nerve that leaves your brain, whether it's going to your thumb, your kidney, or your big toe, has got to go through the top bones in the neck to get wherever it's going to go. So the philosophy of this is just the understanding that a slight misalignment at the top of the neck could affect the function of basically anything in the body. And it's not just the nerves. I mean, there's something called, uh, you know, craniohydrodynamics. So you have blood flow, you have CSF flow, and then where the top of the neck and the skull come together is literally like the bottleneck of the whole, the whole system. So any sort of misalignment there not only could affect the nervous system function, but could impede the flow of that CSF flow or the CSF fluid or, or blood flow in and, out, in and out of the brain. So keeping that where it needs to be is crucial to help, to help the rest of the body function better. That's kind of the, the concept of upper cervical care. Yeah, and, and a true upper cervical practitioner pretty much puts all the emphasis on that area of the spine when it comes to treatment. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say most upper cervical docs, that's, that's what they do. They're not really working with the rest of the spine at all. And that's kind of different than what we do in our office. I mean, um, when I have a, I have a partner here in town, um, he's actually a free guy too, Baconator. You might have him on your show one day, but when we, when we both relocated to carry, our plan was to open an upper cervical office and it was basically going to be an upper cervical clinic that just focused on that. We ended up, uh, taking over an existing practice that was a huge practice here in town. And it was the opposite end of the spectrum. It was a high volume, I will say rack'em crack'em sports clinic that, that, uh, and trying to switch that to an upper cervical practice would have been like trying to you know, turn the Titanic on, on a dime. It, just, it was just too much momentum and too much, history of, of what this office did to try to, to try to switch it. Um, so instead of trying to make it an upper cervical practice, we just incorporated the upper cervical care into full spine chiropractic, which just means we still address, we still address and adjust other parts of the spine and the skeleton, but, but we just 
I, I make sure that that, that that gets checked on everybody. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I mean, uh, that's more similar to the style that I practice as well. I mean, we obviously recognize that that area of the spine is super important. Um, but at the same time, we do address other areas along the spine. That's just, you know, in our nature, I like you joined. So I joined kind of an existing practice, if you will. My father was a chiropractor for many, many years before he retired a few years ago. And so coming into his clinical paradigm would have not jived if we weren't very similar as far as kind of initially getting our, our feet wet and, and, and starting our practice. So I completely uh, empathize, with, empathize with you as far as kind of how, how you had to, to adapt and shift. So maybe you can speak on this a little bit um, and, uh, and, and maybe not because you're not like a, a only upper cervical specific person. Um, tell, us a, tell us a little bit about um, the idea behind only addressing that joint and how that maybe plays a role in the rest of the spine. I mean, kind of what is the philosophy if I have lower back pain or sciatic nerve pain, just getting my upper neck bone adjusted? How, how is that going to help that area out? Um, well, if I mentioned earlier, the, the craniocervical junction, the top bone in the neck is really like the keystone of the, of the musculoskeletal system. And the way I like to think about that is that if you think about this, you have discs throughout the whole spine, right? From C2 down to your sacrum. There are discs in between every single bone. And you also have interlocking joints. They're called you know, facets. And they, they, they really just limit the amount of movement you can get between one bone and another. Well, the top of the neck, between the skull, the top bone, and the top bone and the second bone, there are no discs and there are no interlocking joints. So that area just behaves very differently than everything else. So if it shifts out of alignment, it can create a like a compensatory chain reaction throughout the rest of the spine. And using that low back as an example, I mean, I had a, a new patient last week. He actually came in for his knees we were to try the, to try our laser. And um, he was actually seeing another chiropractor. But while he was there, we started talking about the upper cervical approach. And he was interested in giving it a shot. He didn't even mention that his low back was a problem. And partly because it's, it's so it's so consistent for him. It's just background noise. It's like a you know, a, a, like a consistent five out of 10, which is nothing to, to laugh at. I mean, five out of 10 is pretty, pretty consistent, I mean, pretty significant pain, but it's just always there. So he just doesn't even think about it. But anyway, adjusted the top bone in his neck and asked him to get up and walk around for a second, just to let that, let the body kind of acclimate or um, just, you know, just let that, let that, that, uh, that adjustment kind of assimilate through the rest of the system. And he got up and you could, you could literally see the goosebumps on his arms. And he said it was the first time in years that he didn't have any low back pain. All I did was, the, all I did was adjust the top bone in his neck with, with an instrument. I mean, it's light enough and you barely can feel it. You know, it's like, it's like as, as much as you could like you know, flick your, you know, almost, almost like the amount of pressure you'd be comfortable flicking yourself in the eyeball, you know, like not, not a whole lot of force. But, uh, yeah. So th that, that, that reminds, so that brings up a good point. Um, so the inst your years in an instrument during for the, that, for that particular, particular yeah, move for the, for the versus cervical, like a toggle toggle move. Yeah. yeah. And okay. uh, I, I, did, I did toggle for a while. Like I got, there's lots of different, just like you said, there, there are hundreds of chiropractic techniques. There's also dozens of upper cervical techniques. And I kind of went through the, the process of figuring out, 
different ones and what works for me and what I like, what resonates with me. And um, I do something called orthospinology. Um, yeah, so the, the the instrument actually looks like a it looks like a drill, you know, but it's just got a tiny little excursion. The the the, the, the tip barely moves at all. It's like about as like the width of a pencil eraser. So what I like about it is it's very specific. You know, you can put this little tiny piece onto the tip of a little tiny bone. Whereas, you know, I mean, if I have a big hand and a small person, it's kind of hard to get, get the, yeah. the specificity of it there. But, it, um, but yeah, but all the, the, the corrections are based off of very specific upper cervical films that most docs aren't even taken. I mean, a lot of medical doctors probably haven't even, aren't really even familiar with the particular views. I mean, it's a nasium and a, and a vertex view that just gives you some, some information you're not going to glean any other way. And based off of that, you're, you know, you have a, there is a, there's a, a talk, like a toggle headpiece. There's a different headpiece with this. It's really hard. You're basically using the edge of it, like the fulcrum of a seesaw. So you can use the weight of the head and gravity to create some applied physics to help do this correction with such little force. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I always do it on somebody's hands. They can feel it first. And they're like, and I'm like, and before they even say anything, I was like, I know this doesn't feel like anything. Like you're wondering how's this going to do anything. But uh, the, the analogy I like with that too, is, you know, a, a car weighs several thousand pounds, but the key is only a couple inches long. But if you have the right key, you're going to start the car. You know, your key won't start my car. My key won't start your car. But with the right key, you're going to start that car. And the, the information we get from these specific films, along with the proper positioning or placement on the headpiece, is that key. So we're able to do this. And oh yeah and i tell people i can't always explain why they're feeling better or 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 the this quote-unquote science behind it other than i just know it works and 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 thousands of people testimonies say 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 it work as far as chiropractic at large Um, you also brought up some other interesting point which is um, just the, the gentleness of that specific technique because i think you know i have patients and it's really more recently, even though it's probably been going on longer. Um, I have patients talk to me all the time about, hey, have you seen those chiropractors on TikTok? Oh and have oh you God. seen this? And, and, you know, you have these really violent looking moves that are getting sensationalized on social media that, you know, with these ex- exaggerated enhanced cracking and clicking noises and all that kind of stuff. And it just looks super violent. And so to the person that's not attracted to that or interested in that, I mean, that really kind of makes them go, well, there's no way I'm ever going to a chiropractor. That is what my experience is going to be. Yet here you are kind of really talking about the extreme opposite, which is, no, you're going to lay down and you're going to barely feel pressure at all. And it's going to, you know, physiologically enhance your overall nervous system. And you may not even hear an audible noise at all yeah, pop with that particular adjustment I don't, you never do yeah you don't, yeah. You don't do it. so and actually so i get a lot i get a lot of patients who are seeking something that is not the the manual tw- they don't want sure. twisting and popping and and also have patients who come in and and that's you know that's what they know that's what they want i'm just like yeah I'm, i always just say humor me here like just let me try this with you here it's like we can always go back and do something else because like let me try this first and uh those are the ones that i think are a lot of fun because like they're super skeptical that nothing sure. particular what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and there's another technique, uh, listeners out there, that's called the activator technique. And it's also using some instrumentation that's 
really kind of applying the pressure and the adjustment, if you will, up and down the spine that requires little force and uh, no audible popping or clicking. So those of you that have been scared to go to the chiropractor, let us tell you first and foremost now that not all chiropractors practice exactly the same way. And you can absolutely probably find somebody in your area that maybe has one of these more gentler approaches that maybe be more um, conducive to what you're looking for. And so speaking of gentle and speaking of non-violent, forceful, um, you know, a lot of times people are surprised to hear about uh, pregnant women and children receiving chiropractic care because they a, assume it's all about back pain or neck pain and children, quote unquote, don't have it or they don't certainly complain about it. And then the safety mechanism or, or concerns around chiropractic and, and, and pregnancy. So I know that uh, just talking to you offline, that that is a part of the population that you do treat quite a bit. Uh, you know, the prenatal care, as well as pediatric. So speak on that for, for a few moments. Uh, a, you know, what are the benefits of chiropractic care uh, to those populations? And really, what do you see as far as kind of the majority of those cases and some of the outcomes that you get to see? Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. I do see a lot of that. And in fact, if I could, all I would see is pregnant women. That is my hands down my favorite population to work with. Um, I do think that Chiropractic care is beneficial to everyone, but in my opinion, they are actually the most important population to be under care. And, um, and I kind of look at that at kind of three different reasons or how it's beneficial for prenatal care. Um, obviously, it helps with the aches and pains of pregnancy and morning sickness and you know, carpal tunnel, those types of things. Um, but the other two reasons, I think, are actually much more important. The second, and you, you probably know this, regular care through pregnancy has been shown to reduce labor time by up to 25%, which is like a reduction of labor of six to eight hours. So I think, every, I mean, I, I don't understand why, why pregnant women aren't lining up out the door of every chiropractic clinic, because to be able to reduce labor time by six to eight hours seems like that would be enough of a, of a benefit to want to do it. Um, but the third part is actually the most important reason, in my opinion, um, <clears throat> when a woman's pregnant, that baby is depending on mama for absolutely everything. I mean, without exception, there's nothing going on for that baby that the mama is not 100% responsible for. So it makes sense that her nervous system and her spine and her body are working properly to help optimize the environment for growing this next generation. So like, Really, if, if I could, all I would see is pregnant women. And I see a lot of them, but I don't have enough to fill up my schedule completely. Otherwise, I would literally turn other people away. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'll, I'll just stop you real quick and just add my two cents in. Uh, I, I guess I did not know the actual study about the, the decrease of 25% of labor because I think um, if we uh, promoted that a little bit more heavily. I, to your point, I don't know why most women wouldn't at least consider it uh, as as far as kind of part of uh, why to see a chiropractor if it's just not that alone. And to your point, though, the most important thing is the health of the mother because it indicates the health of the the baby growing uh, inside them. And so um, that's awesome that you uh, provide so much you know uh, care for that population. Now, do you work with uh, OB-GYN offices in the, or, or the region or doulas or people like um, that as far as getting patients? Uh, I, you know, we 
we had our, we had our, one of our first child was born at home in the DR. Our second child was born here at a birth center that has since closed. Um, we were working just kind of with re referral basis with the docs there. At this point, I mean, I, I do get a number of referrals from from OBs and 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 doulas and midwives at this point. Um, a lot of my pregnancy patients that were already, you know, kind of kind of see them at three different points along the way. You know, they're either they're either already patients and they're kind of, and they and they want to just continue with maintenance care to, you know, to try to promote a comfortable pregnancy and, and safe delivery. The other two times I get new pregnancy patients, you know, at some point in the first couple of trimesters, they develop some sort of aches and pains and you know, their friends like, oh, you should go to the chiropractor. And then the third time is, you know, sometime between week 32 and 37, you know, their midwives are, are doing or their, their OB's doing a, a checkup and they realize the baby's in the wrong position and they're like, you need to go to a chiropractor. Um, as you know, there's, there's a technique called the Webster technique and it's specifically for working with pregnant women. And, you know, the goal isn't to change the position of the baby, I think, which is kind of a misconception. Um, you know, with, yeah, there's no, there's no, the goal isn't to move a baby by any means, but the, the goal is to get the biomechanics of the pelvis working right again and to reduce what's called intrauterine constraint so the baby has the space to move because oftentimes when they're stuck in the wrong position it's just because they, they literally don't have the space to get where they need to be but in the same way that the body is a self-healing organism i mean these babies are developing on their own they're, they're pretty intelligent as well and if they've got the space they can they need to move they tend to find themselves or get themselves in the proper position so um, yeah, we do get a lot of referrals for midwives and doulas and, and OBs at, later on in pregnancy, specifically for Webster Technique. And, uh, and that's actually why I'm so passionate about this. My very first pregnant patient, when I graduated, you know, I graduated from school and went straight to the DR. And like when the first week I was there, I had a, had a new patient. She was 41 weeks. She'd already passed due. Her, she was, had a breech baby upside down. She was scheduled for a C-section the next day. And her midwife was like, you need to go to the chiropractor. And she came in and, you know, while we're doing the adjustment is doing around, around ligament release. It looked like an earthquake in her belly. I mean, the baby completely flipped right there on the table. She went home, went into labor, had a natural vaginal birth, was able to avoid C-section altogether. And, and uh, it was, it was the most incredible experience I'd ever had even to this day I've ever had with chiropractic. And so that really set the stage for my appreciation and respect for, for prenatal care. And um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that story because, you know, as you were sharing that, I was had a big smile on my face because those are the type of things in practice that keep us coming back and get us excited about helping people radically see that change in their life. And I like that you, kind of clarified that. I mean, A, most of our listeners may have never heard of the Webster technique, uh, but I'm glad that you clarified that it's not a baby turning perspective because that is the allopathic um, medical viewpoint. Because if you don't see a chiropractor, to your point, you're either going to get scheduled for a C-section. In other words, if you have a breached baby and, and uh, you know, you have a couple options typically, which is, you know, we're going to do a C-section and pull the baby out that way, or B, try to manually turn and twist and torsion the baby in the mother's womb. It's called ECV, uh, external cephalic version, where they literally yeah, so. push the baby with their hands through the belly. Yeah. yeah. It, it, versus 
that whole root cause perspective, which is what you addressed, which is the baby's not turning, not because it doesn't want to or uh, doesn't understand to, it's because there's restriction in there. And if we can reduce that restriction, and you mentioned the term round lig ligament, and if we can reduce that and allow that opportunity for the baby to naturally do what it's supposed to do, that's, you know, that's what we want. And I've never been in a situation where I've seen the baby radically turn as, as radically as, as you just mentioned, usually in our office. Uh, so I don't work personally with as many pregnant women. Uh, my wife, who I practice with, that is her whole practice. I mean, she works with prenatal chil and, and children most of the day, uh, as well as, you know, other, other population as well. But that's to, to, to what you described earlier, if she could have a practice, which is that, that's what she would do. And usually in our experience, you know, it sometimes takes one or two sessions of doing well, maybe sure. a yeah, I mean, technique would, yeah, to do that. I so I, I don't want, I don't want listeners to think that, oh my gosh, we can go to a chiropractor and get this technique done. And our babies are going to flip uh, instantaneously because that's not always the case. Usually yeah, and I'm not, I wasn't trying to imply that. I mean, yeah, most of, yeah. most of my breach baby cases is it's more somewhere between three and six visits but that but that one was the like it during the actual adjustment like right there on the table like i said it just it really just solidified my my passion for it so i'm glad i had that yeah. experience just because uh i've been able to help a lot of people with it since then but then working That's with awesome. pregnant women by default i end up working with a lot of with a lot of babies and also yeah. just with other kids in here and you're asking like what's the benefit with kids um for, for newborns and little kids, you kind of tend to see them for a, a, the same handful of reasons. Um, usually uh, constipation, reflux, ear infections, sleeping issues, latching issues. Um, those are the, those are like the, the handful that consistently bring, bring new babies into the office or the other side of that too, is, you know, you got, you got patients who have been, or parents who've been patients and they understand just the, the idea that, that this isn't about symptom relief, but about optimizing function. And they're like, you know what, my baby's, everything's fine, but I just want to make sure everything is fine and continues to stay fine. So you get a lot of, a lot of new parents bringing in their, their kids with no real complaint. They just want to, to make sure things are good. Kind of like you, you go to the dentist and you hope they don't have to do anything. I tell, I tell patients the same thing in the office. I mean, if, if we don't do a whole lot on a visit, you shouldn't be, upset about it that's actually a really good thing if we don't need to do a whole lot that means your body is is functioning well and and maintaining and holding these adjustments yeah i mean uh, you brought up a good point <laughs> you know just quick i always amazed how sometimes people's perception is well you didn't do a whole lot so i don't know uh, the justify the visit or something and you're like well that's kind of the point is is to kind of be well and maintain that wellness and stay on top of it and, and, and I like the analogy of the dentist thing, because you're absolutely right. You don't go to the dentist hoping to have six cavities and hope that they have to drill and hope that they have to do a bunch of extra work other than just tell you what you're doing is okay. And maybe make some small course adjustments. That's all you want them to do. Same thing with an auto mechanic. You, you pull in the garage, hoping and praying that they're going to tell you it's no big deal. Like, Oh no, yeah. it's just this small correction that we need to make to keep that car and engine running yet sometimes when it comes to our physical bodies and, and, you know, teeth, you can replace an engine, you can replace, it's difficult to replace your nervous system and your spine. Yeah, um, you know, the only part of the body you can't replace. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah, going back to the, the car analogy. I like, I tell the people, patients that too, as far as like the, using the upper cervical as a, 
Is it, you're asking how could that affect things? Now, if you have an alignment issue on your car, it's going to create some wear on one of the tires possibly, right? It's gonna start wearing down funny. You can keep replacing that tire, but that's not the actual cause of the problem. So using that as an analogy, if you got this misalignment at the top of the neck that's creating a compensatory shift in the pelvis, and now you got this low back pain, you can keep pounding on that, on that SI joint forever. But until you actually address the underlying cause of that, you're not really going to correct it. So. I yeah. I, I appreciate that analogy because you're, you're exactly right. And it's all about, again, that root cause. So just, um, just to quickly circle back with the children thing, you know, because <laughs> people might be scratching their heads going, yeah. you know, you, you say they bring them in for, you know, colic or digestive issues. You talk about you know, a lot of times ear infections. We, you know, we see um, bedwetting even, yeah. um, but certainly all those things. <clears throat> so why or what about a newborn, for instance, you know, you have a baby that's three weeks old, how are they, or what would have caused them to have a nervous system disruption to the point where that would be the cause of some of their symptoms? Well, I mean, just think about the birth process, even if it is, you know, textbook, everything's great, nothing, no complications, nothing. It, you can't deny it's a traumatic experience for both mother and baby. And oftentimes, <clears throat> you know, if the doc's helping, you know, helping get pulled, say pull the baby out, I mean, whether they're using their hands, forceps, God forbid, the vacuum extraction, there's a lot of force going into that. And the top of the neck is a pretty delicate structure, particularly at that point in time. I mean, these bones aren't even completely solidified yet. You know, they're still just like chunks of cartilage and, misal and, and misalignments at the top of the neck tend to, it's usually when they tend to happen for the first time is during the birth process. And, uh, yeah. And, and I, you know, you brought up a good point and, and I totally understand this and, and, and get it, but I wanted you to have the, the opportunity to kind of share some of that information because people don't realize just how traumatic that birthing process is and, and really what happens naturally. Um, naturally, you're, the baby is being born essentially face down. You know, if you're kind of facing a mother, the, 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 the head and face is actually faced the opposite direction. Yet when you see movies or when you see your own, you know, child get delivered, um, if you're capable of kind of witnessing that, a lot of times that face is coming up. And that's because a lot of what's happening is the doctor is rotating your child's head and, and, and neck in the womb to kind of turn them in that direction, to pull them out that direction. And to your point, puts a lot of force on those neck muscles and, and structure. And that's a lot of the underlying root cause to some of those quote unquote early subluxations is, you know, is a term that we use as chiropractors as far as yeah. this misalignment. Um, so yeah, that, that traumatic experience of birth that a lot of times we just take for granted is, Oh no. And, and another thing that people need to realize too, is naturally speaking, a woman in a vertical position squatting is much more conducive to birthing that baby out than flat on their back with their legs way up in the air and stirrups. All that was designed by male doctors who wanted to make their job easier in modern day medicine. And so there's some force of, of, of gravity that you're overcoming with our current uh, setup in most hospital settings, if you will. And that's why things like water birthing or even some of those vertical positioned birthing techniques are popular because it, it 
it's a little bit less traumatic on the baby during that experience. Um, and I don't know if you want to add anything to that. No, just, I mean, yeah, both our, both our kids were, were water births. One was in our living room in a inflatable pool and the other was at the, at the birth center. And, and with that, um, not to say it's a testament to the water birth, but my wife's a rock star. She delivered her, both of them by herself and caught both babies herself. And, uh, which would be really hard to do. Like I said, laying on your back with your feet up in <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. That's good. Good for her to, to do that. Well, so, so you and I could probably talk forever um, about all types, you know, chiropractic and wellness and overall health, but I really appreciate you kind of talking uh, a few of these talking points today. Um, really, I found it interesting to kind of dive in a little bit more about that upper, upper cervical and the concept that the nerves come out through that top area and why getting that underlying root cause is important for all the aspects of what's kind of following suit underneath that area. And then I'm glad that you were able to share a little bit about the prenatal pediatric piece of chiropractic, because I, I believe as probably you may as well, that is the most under, um, understood, if you will, uh, part of chiropractic when it comes to you know, who needs to go see a chiropractor? And I'm sure you're asked every day, what do you mean kids see chiropractors? What do right. kids need to go see a chiropractor for? Um, and so I think you kind of address that reality that, you know, unfortunately there's some birthing trauma, but as a child develops and they go through these different stages and they learn to walk and they fall and they sleep in funny positions. And if you ever witnessed a child sleeping in a car seat in the back seat, the position of their neck, uh, you know, I mean, and so there's uh, lots of opportunities for children to do some, what we call misaligning of their spines and yeah. could create some health uh, concerns around it uh, that may be worth getting looked at. And we didn't even touch things like scoliosis, which as the child grows, the, the curvature of the spine can get shifted and some of the health um, issues around that. And so maybe we can pick the pieces up on a, on a, on a subsequent show to, to talk yeah. about some of those things. But uh, in any case, I want to kind of wrap things up with a, a couple last questions for you. Yeah. And my first is this, and you covered a lot of good information already and, 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 and your answer can include something maybe you've already said, but if you had three health tips to give somebody um, to launch their own hunt for wellness, what would those three tips be? Well, kind of touching base on the pediatric side of things, just the idea that it's a lot easier to raise healthy kids than it is to try to fix them down the road. So if you've got, you know, if kids are, you know, they're young, they don't have decades of, of degeneration and, and wear and tear yet. So if you got, if, you know, if you see your kid take a big tumble, realize it's probably not a bad idea to get them checked because it's a lot easier to address it shortly after it happens versus, you know, waiting 10 years to do that. Um, from a posture, I mean, just from a, from a pack standpoint, I mean, I don't, I'm sure everybody's heard the term text neck, tech neck. It is a real thing, guys. Um, really be cognizant of your, of your ergonomics and your posture and, um, particularly, you know, holding your phone, a book, whatever, like quit looking down at it, start holding things up in front of your eyes. Um, I tell patients, if you got some place to rest your elbows while you're looking at it, great. If not, uh, hold it up. And when your arms get tired, use it as a sign to put your phone away. We're on these things too much as it is. But, um, you know, I take, a, I take a lot of films in my office and I'm blown away at the, 
at the degeneration and just the re, re, this the the deviation from normal curves in the neck from from people using technology and i'm seeing it in younger and younger patients so take this and not just for yourself but like tell your kids at home your, your spouses just start really really thinking about what you're doing there um third is uh yeah, just the, the idea of, of habits, you know, doing like, um, what's the book? Uh, the Compound Effect, I don't know if you, Darren Hardy. Uh, yeah, doing I'm a little familiar. bit of something every, every day, you know, like you're, you're either, you're either, you're always either um, moving forward or moving back. So just doing something every day to, to better yourself, whether that be physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever that may be, but just, always working towards being, being a better version of yourself. Perfect, man. I appreciate that. So I do have one final question for you, but before I ask it, I just do want to take a few more minutes here or a few moments here just to kind of, again, thank you. Uh, let you know that I appreciate you coming on the show today and, and sharing your knowledge and expertise and, and serving your community, man. Uh, I think uh, not enough people, in my opinion, get chiropractic care or benefit from it. And I appreciate that you're doing that and, and really serving a lot of PACS members locally. And uh, I appreciate you doing all those things. Uh, if someone wanted to follow up with you, uh, whether yeah. it's, you know, somebody across the country with just a question about chiropractic or prenatal care or pediatric care or a PACS member locally, who maybe want to seek your professional services, what are some best ways to get in contact with you? Um, my email is great. Uh, I don't know if you have a, just say it here. If you have a place you put them on, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I can do both. Great. If you want to share it verbally, yeah. you can say yeah, it. And it's I'll put pretty it in easy. It's my name, John B. Lancaster, J-O-H-N B is in blue, Lancaster, L-A-N-C-A-S-T-E-R at gmail.com um you can find me there uh my office locally is is chiropractic partners and carry the the website is carry chiropartners.com um and we have an office email there but uh yeah my personal email is probably the best way to reach me and i would say yeah i'm no matter where you are in the country or in the world i'd be happy to help people find a a chiropractor in your area um particularly when it comes to the, the pediatric prenatal stuff, there are some certifications for docs to, to look for if you're working, if you're looking to, to find somebody on in that realm. But um, yeah, I'd be happy. Yeah. To. So uh, any, any social media platforms, Twitter, anything like uh, that? Uh, I mean, I'm on Facebook. Okay. I'm, I, yeah. That's <laughs> I am, okay. I'm, just I'm on Twitter. just curious. On yeah. Twitter. Sometimes people find it. I know what it is. Uh, uh, Twitter out there or even the Slack channels. I know. Yeah, that, I'm on uh, Slack. Are, That's probably, yeah, I'm on the Slack. Um, I'm only on it in Carpex. Okay. Um, so local guys can find yeah, you now uh, so locally. Find me yeah. Sosa on Carpex. Um, okay. I'm not super tech savvy. I do have a Twitter. I don't even know my handle on it. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. We can, we can maybe Instagram. find I'm that on later. Instagram. Yeah. Dr. John, okay. Dr. John Lancaster, Dr. John Lancaster is uh, my Instagram. Okay. Perfect. Uh, well, I appreciate you sharing all those avenues to get in touch with you. Cause I know people may be real interested in a look, you know, coming to you locally or certainly maybe have you 
give them some direction in their own region on, on where to yeah, maybe get some of these things taken care of, um, specifically around the prenatal uh, and the pediatric aspect of things. Yeah, because those are some of the techniques or trainings my wife also went through and did mm -hmm. uh, postgraduate to, to do that. So I'm very familiar with that. So my last question is this, uh, Sosa, what is your definition of wellness? That's a good one, man. Um, this point in life, I'm, I'm balance plays a big part in that, uh, you know, work life balance. Um, just, but, but there's so many different legs to that stool. I mean, there's, there is, obviously physical wellness, mental wellness, emotional, spiritual. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, just, just working on something every day to, to try to improve those. Um, I think with F3, such a, such a great resource in so many of those different avenues that uh, it's nice to have that. Thanks for listening to the Hunt for Wellness podcast please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com, on the nation's Slack at bones, or Twitter at HFW podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 nation on their hunt for wellness.